Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have Scott Brauner with us. Scott is the president, director, founder, CEO of Concilium. Concilium is an organization that is is a ministry organization that helps global workers um, in hard places build resiliency to understand Scott brings a love for God's word, a love to see the gospel message go forward, and then also an insight and understanding of the security world. And he he recognizes it's challenging sometimes to walk in that balance. I know our family, we lived through coups. I think if you live on the African continent um, long enough, you'll probably experience an overthrow of a government, um, a military coup or something like that. And we did. And Scott just provides some great resources to help you decide when when to stay, when to go, in turbulent times, he he. I first heard about Scott in a document my friend Nate Begg shared with me. And the t- the title of the document is "Choosing to Stay: Processing How Our Desire to Risk Can Endanger Others." And he gives us three questions in that: Are you prepared? Is your presence a threat? And prayer and agreement. I just appreciate Scott. I appreciate his wisdom and insight. I appreciate his his experience and his will, willingness to sit down with us today and help global workers like me begin to think about process in, when we're in a place and we're running into a turbulent time, what do we do? Do we take a strategic vacation? Do we stay in place? He gives perspectives from an organization uh, mindset, from a global workers mindset, um, from a a church, maybe a sending church's mindset, and it's just really valuable. Well, I just appreciate Scott and do want to thank our partner for today's episode, which is Wes and Peggy Reed, Collaborators in Life and Mission. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a new friend, Scott Bronner. I am learning so much um, as we look at safety and security. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's good to be with you. Scott, could you go ahead and maybe just share a little bit about um, yourself? Um, Yeah. And then we'll jump into some questions about Concilium. Sure. Um, I got saved at uh, 16 years old uh, through Youth for Christ Ministries in Kansas City. Wow. And uh yeah, the Lord the Lord got a hold of my heart uh, as as a uh, as a teenager. Um ended up joining the army right out of high school, uh went into special operations. I was an army ranger, actually served as a sniper in the Gulf War in 1991. But really all that prepared me for was the next 15 years of youth ministry. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how how God can do that. I was called to to ministry on active duty. Wow. Um and went into youth and, and collegiate ministry in, in in the early 90s. Um ultimately starting a uh discipleship and sending organization uh in the late 90s and okay. uh, that's where my first I guess desire or need for safety and security came in was taking well high school and college students to uh, hard places. Yeah. Uh, in North Africa, Middle East, uh, into the Pacific Rim, uh, Central and South Asia. Uh, and so the need for developing uh, safety and security protocols, and I would yeah. even put training in there, really began in, in, in the 1990s. So what, what makes, I, I guess people say, what makes Concilium different or what makes me different? I'm not a 20 or 30 year military veteran who's trying to take those principles of 
that, that we learned in the military and, 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 and sort of craft them into uh, something for missionaries. I, I, my heart has, has, has been to empower the voice and the presence of the gospel hmm. to reach every language, people, tribe, and nation. Hmm. And so, so that, so it's, it's sort of uh, organic to the sending community okay. uh, versus, you know, 20 years of military or law enforcement and then trying to bring it in because there's a place for those, those guys. I mean, yeah. we really uses a lot of those guys, okay. but, but that's not the highest value here. The highest value isn't safety. The hmm. highest value is the gospel hmm. and how that is, is then lived through, through the, the life of the organization and the individual going to the mission field. Yeah. So anyway, that, that being said, uh, by, by 2005, uh, I started a, a ministry called fusion. Okay. Uh, is my heart, uh, I mean, to, to, to be honest, my heart is not saving the world one missionary at a time. <laughs> it, I mean, honestly, <laughs> Uh, I, my heart is, is seeing young people raised up to walk with Jesus for a lifetime. Okay. And that was my trajectory in 2005. I, I entered into a, uh, a doctoral program, uh, to, to that end working on it. Cause I, I ended up, well, I, I, I went to college, uh, used the jab bill to go to college and, and, and then went to seminary, uh, and finished my master's degree, uh, at Midwestern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary and, in 2000. Um, and, and again, that my, my trajectory at that time was, was in Baptist life and, and yeah. also, with a foot in the not in, in the non-denominational realm with our our, our ministries, uh, ultimately we starting this fusion ministry and partnered through Midwestern Seminary to to get that going. Got into yeah. a doctoral degree, but but everything changed in hmm. 2007. Uh, the the Lord in His uh, you know in, in in His great sense of humor, right sovereignty <laughs> and great sense of humor. Um, saw it fit for me to get involved in security management. Okay. Uh, in, in, in January of 06, well, I, let's just start it in, in January of 07, sorry. Um, the International Mission Board, the IMB for I am Southern Baptist, uh, International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, called me to be their director of risk management. Okay. And we went around and around for nine months on this. And it wasn't until September because I just, I didn't have a, a piece because I'm, I'm not a security guy. Okay. I'm, I'm a mobilizer. I'm a disciple maker. Um, and, and I, and I raise up, you know, especially young people to, to go into that trajectory in their lives. And so I didn't see how this could all work together. But God, God ultimately just brought conviction. I'm not just some people say, "Well, God gave me a piece, and and I and I did it." No, this was <laughs> better do this or else, yeah. right? Yeah. And and that's kind of where I, I said yes, and hmm. and it did fundamentally change the direction of my life and my family's life for that yeah. matter. So in January of 07, of, of, of of or sorry, in uh, September of 07, I joined IMB, and by by January of 08, we were neck deep into a terrible incident in, in central Asia. Hmm. And uh, I mean, you could, you could Google it and find out more about it, but I'll just leave it at, we were in, right. in, in the midst of a terrible, like look, when you're dealing with criminal issues, yeah, that's one thing. But when you're dealing with ideological hmm. issues, 
where you you can't solve that through simple negotiation. Yeah. That 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 fundamentally changed the course of my life. Hmm. Um, in the midst of that, we had uh, uh, rebels out of Darfur just a month later, February or so of, of 2008, pushing west uh, into Injamina Chad to unseat President Debbie Idris hmm. Debbie at the and we had what's effectively a bunch of guys or, or you know, workers that got caught behind the lines. Hmm. And so at this point, I mean, this again, I've, I've, I've been on the job now for four months, right? Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> just, I mean, I'm thinking back on it now. It's like, my goodness. But, but you know, the, the reason I bring this up is with, with anybody, whether, whether you're called to, to work in security or you're planting churches or whatever it is, God, God gives you these threshold moments hmm. where you've got to make a choice on how you're going to act or respond to the situation. And, and what this was teaching me is that we, we so often we, we, we go before the Lord in the comfort of our pews or, or you know, the, the air conditioned uh, worship center, you know, speaking of very Western right. context now. And, and we say, here, my Lord, send me. Yeah. But what happens when we get to the field and the wheels come off the wagon, so yeah. to speak? People who are unprepared for this who have not counted the cost, as Jesus says. Look, look, the same hands that, that they raise saying, here, my Lord, send me, can quickly go up again and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. And, and, and that's where in the threshold moments of, do I really understand God's sovereignty in the midst of crisis? Hmm. Hmm. And, and that's, that's where in 2008, in the midst of crisis, I, I had to reevaluate not, not who God is because he is steadfast, but, but who am I in the midst of his, in the midst of his plan Yeah, as he's transforming me. And, the, and this really was a Romans 12, two moment about being transformed from the pattern of the world. Hmm. Right. In this case, the pattern of the world as it applies to security, security management, and, and even understanding God's sovereignty in the midst of, of, of a critical incident. Because hmm. in so doing, God began to transform my mindset. And what that did was to help me better prove what God's will is, right, the outcome of okay. this process. As we prove what God's will is, a will that is good for, for the individual involved in that critical incident or the multiple people at this point, right. by the way, we had to split our crisis team in half. One is working the critical incident in central central Asia. The other is now working the incident in, 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 in North Africa. Hmm. And thus proving what God's will is a will that was good for all of those people acceptable in those situations. We had to contextualize crisis response based on a central Asian context versus a North African context. Hmm. Right. To understand a will that was good, acceptable, and watch this, perfect in God's sovereignty. Because in both of these situations, God was sovereign. We watched over just a period of, of several days a, you know, th- th- by the way, I, I, I didn't know about some of the resources that were available at this point, maybe through the State Department, not the lot that State could do it at that point, because they were all sheltering in place and buttoned down. But 
a, 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 a cold call to an individual in, in, the, in, in, in the government led to a connection to a warlord on the ground hmm. who then took those gospel workers with literally a white flag to, to the French gendarme. Hmm. At this point, the gendarme are the ones fighting this, this conflict. Right. I mean, the, the, the Chadian armies capitulated. Yeah. Can you imagine they are then handed off to the gendarme to get onto a plane and to fly to Gabon? Hmm. I mean, with, with, apparently with the Russian ambassador even. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, yeah. And so now as you're looking at that, because this is, you know, who you are determines what you do. Yeah. Right. Who you, who we, the, the people that we deal with in, in, in security management, if we think of it as a bell curve, we're mm-hmm. dealing with people at the edges of the bell curve. Okay. Right. Because in the nor in the middle of the bell curve is normal, what we might call cultural Christianity. Okay. So those people have, have chosen to go to the edge of the bell curve to get up, to get out, and to be obedient and to go, which makes them not normal. I mean, let's okay. face it, a lot of missionaries aren't normal. <laughs> the bell curve of normal Christianity. Yeah. And and that's and that's where we find our ministry because those in the middle of the bell curve, they aren't the ones taking the risks. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as you as you're looking at the the edges, then how do we help not keep them safe? Yeah. Right. Because this is this is safety is the anathema okay. of obedience, right? Risk we we see risk is, is where threat and vulnerability meet. Okay, right. The threats on the field are are going to be there whether our people are there or not. Hmm. I mean that that's the reality. So right. people are going to be mugged. People are going to be assaulted. People people are going to be you know whatever it is that bad things that happen to people in the countries that God has called us to. It's going to happen whether we're there or not. Therefore, what we do often as security managers is to help decrease the vulnerability. To hmm. the threat. Hmm. So one of the things that, that, that really became clear, because by, by 2014, just to fast forward in, in the story, um, by, by 2008, 2009, it was clear there was not a lot of collaboration or communication between mission agencies. You would think that there was, but there really was not. Hmm. So by 2008, uh, several of us who I'd met in crisis, by the way, coming to them with my hat in my hand, we have an emergency in this country. Can you help me? By the way, establishing friendships in the midst of crisis is never a good thing. Okay. Right. You want to be able to do this before a crisis comes, have a good relationship in place so that when an issue arises, you can go to that person because you already have a, a an intrinsic relationship there. Yeah. Right? Versus going, I mean, I was going to the State Department, the Pentagon, the United Nations. Capitol Hill was effectively with my hat in my hand saying, help me. And there were a lot of good people that helped, but yeah. had, had I had those relationships prior to an event, For sure. it would have been better. So that led to the start of what's called the risk management network. Okay. And myself and, and a couple other young, uh, young guys, uh, we got together and, 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 and formed this about nine agencies initially began and and so I'm now the executive director. I, I sort of moonlight. That's my that's that's my my uh, moonlighting position. Okay, uh, is is being the executive director of RMN, um, and that is now an organization that has 80 plus agencies and well over 100 individuals uh, okay. who are involved in security involved there. So that's that's one of the greatest 
resources that's been created in 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 for, for mission agencies, I think it's since yeah. two, year 2000, since 9 11. Sure. Amazing. Amazing. Scott, I wanted to, to talk with you a little bit um, today about um, you mentioned about um, the idea that the decision to stay or go is probably yep. one of the most difficult decisions a global worker is going to to need to make. Um, what are some reasons you found that to be true? This, this staying and going and um, yeah. Well, this goes back to Romans 12, too. You know, we don't want to be conformed to the pattern of the world, especially when we think about, about security and, and risk and, you know, managing those risks. Think, think of it this way. When, when, you, when you get into a country and you're engaged in ministry, I mean, you are pouring out your heart and your life. I mean, if you want to talk about vulnerability, vulnerability isn't, oh, my gosh, somebody could could rob me. It's the fact that you're taking your heart out of your chest and you're handing it to somebody cross-culturally and hoping that they don't smash it. Hmm. That is the risk of ministry as you make disciples in that context. And 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 as, as we think about doing that, as Western, I'm talking about you know, Western expats right now. Right. I'm not talking about local believers and what they face with persecution, but as expats. Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 speaks about this when he says, if, if you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. Hmm. This context determines meaning in all of this, right? And, and okay. we, have to, we have to sort of divorce our emotion out of this because, again, back to the pattern of the world, the world lives in emotions right now. I mean, that is that is the one of the, the the most dangerous places we can be when looking at at, at security policy and, and security and crisis management. Is I don't want to be like a boat without an anchor that's being tossed back and forth to different philosophies. That's not what I want to do. I mean, Paul makes it very clear that we yeah. don't want to do that. So so as we think about the pattern of the world. We, we want to be transformed from that, which means I have to divorce out of this some of my emotion. Okay. As a foreigner in, in this context, when I, when I have, when I have a, an existential threat, I mean, take, take Ukraine as, as the example right now. Okay. You have the Russians who potentially, I don't, I don't know if they're going to, who knows what they're going to do at this point. Maybe they come in, maybe they don't. But let's just say that this, this, this foreign threat is now coming into the country. Your... Your presence is more than that of just a believer. We have to understand the biases of the enemy. You know, what do they think of us as, as, as uh, ethnically? What do they think of us uh, in, in, in the worldview of our nationality, the fact that you're an American citizen? Those very points, just those two, can cause more harm to our local partners. Because my friend, there's a difference between suffering for the name of Jesus, of which we call persecution, and that we are to rejoice in versus victimization, which Hmm. God abhors. Hmm. And that's one of the biggest confusions that I see in, 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 in mission life is understanding the difference between victimization and persecution. 
right? And so what we're dealing with right now is not an issue of persecution, suffering faithfully alongside my brother or sister in Christ on the field. No, it's the fact that your presence is now causing potential victimization because your brothers and sisters in Christ aren't suffering because you love Jesus. They're suffering because you're an American who looks at minimum as an interloper. Wow. Worse, maybe as a spy. Wow. So now I don't want my brothers and sisters in Christ to be to be tortured potentially because not because they love Jesus, but because they're hosting this American interloper in their home. That's why when Jesus when Jesus is talking at this point, he's he's sending out Matthew chapter 10. Read it. Right. You, you've got you've got Jesus saying, number one, you know, to, to be as 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 shrewd as a serpent, yet gentle as a dove. Why is he mentioning a serpent here? Look, don't take a 21st century perspective and drop it on a first century text. That's the worst thing we can do. We yeah. don't need eisegesis. We need exegesis. That's a whole other Bible study for another time. Right. Ne- nevertheless, I don't want to, I want to look at who's speaking here, right? Who's, yeah. who's, who's the speaker? Who's the audience? Yeah. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, the ones he's sending out. He says at this point, when you go, go to a village, right? And if they don't accept you, Knock the dust off of your feet, right? This is called acceptance strategy. By the way, if you do go to a village and they receive you, ask a blessing over that village or you go into a home, bless that home. This is pure acceptance strategy. We think that somehow we've come up with these principles, you know, in in, in the modern age of acceptance and, you know, protection and deterrence. Jesus has been talking about these things for 2,000 years, the problem is we just don't read the Bible for all that it's worth. We, we've got to move beyond just looking at the the, the, the Bible addressing moral behavior, yeah. right? Which it does. And, and by, 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 I mean, don't, we must, we must address our moral behavior, right? But it's so much more than that. Yeah. How does this apply to not only uh, accepting strategy of going into a village, but he says, and if you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. He's speaking to a group of individuals who aren't from these villages. This is not their home. Look, when, when you go on mission, when you go on mission, and we think of it in the context of Acts 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, right? You are, you are going from your Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Amen and amen. But here's the reality. You're not actually going to the ends of the earth. You're just trading your Jerusalem for somebody else's Jerusalem, to which you are now the visitor. Hmm. The, 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 the ends of the earth is somebody else's Jerusalem. And I have to understand, I am a guest here at this hmm. point. And my presence as a guest, and by the way, I will be a guest for the rest of my life. You can learn the language, you can learn the culture, you can dress the part, but ultimately at the end of the day, you are a visitor. Yeah. And that's critical to understand when Jesus is telling them, if you're persecuted in one place, flee to another, because he's talking to the disciples who are visitors to these villages, who are visitors to the Judeas at this point. He isn't even sending them to the Samarias or the ends of the earth yet. He just got them going to the, to the Judeas. Yeah. And he's warning them, you are a visitor. Therefore, if you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. This is why he says, be as shrewd as a serpent. Because a serpent, don't look in the, with a 21st century perspective, because look, in the church today, if you say, hey, who's the serpent? Oh, the devil, right? But that's not what Jesus is getting at. 
These people walk everywhere they go. Listen, you probably know from 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 working in in Africa when you go from into different villages, you run into snakes. Yeah, and, and they don't coil up and try to defend their 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 territory. When they see you, they try to escape. And most guys or, or gals, whoever, who have been bitten by a snake, it's happened for one or two reasons. Either one, they were playing with it, right? Right. Or two, they didn't see it and they stepped on it. Yeah. You know, and the snake didn't see them. So when Jesus says be as, as shrewd as a serpent, he could have used any other animal in the kingdom that they would know. They'd be as shrewd as a wolf. Hmm. What does a wolf use its shrewdness for? Kill the sheep. Yeah. Be as shrewd as a fox. Right. Or, or uh, David fought the lion and the bear. Right. What do what do they use their shrewdness for to destroy the flock? Right. Mm-hmm. To take the, the lambs. Yeah. So he doesn't use that serpent as, as an example or he uses the serpent as a specific example instead of these other animals, because the serpent avoids conflict. It gets away with the shrewdness, but in so doing, Jesus uses in the, continuing the metaphor, be as innocent as a dove. Hmm. So be be shrewd as the serpent, but in your shrewdness, be innocent as a dove. And that that concept of people probably just knocked them over as they're yeah. trying to reconcile the serpent to the dove. Well, yeah. We got to do that same thing today, and that's where security managers, right? This is this is how we're being transformed through the renewing of our mind. In most security models, right, of, 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 of the worldly mindset, and this is where I think our, our mission agencies get into trouble, we see that as an apparatus that is bolted onto the side of an engine. Think of the engine. This is this is the the engine runs the ministry. It's what makes the ministry possible. And what more happens more often than not is we we bolt this in, this 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 module this 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 you know, device of security on the side of the engine. And what does it do? It takes power from the engine in order to run the device. Okay. That's the problem with security mindset today is we see it being bolted on as an apparatus to the side of the main engine of the Great Commission. Hmm. Security is not an apparatus to be bolted on. Security is to be integrated into the culture of the organization. It becomes the oil that lubricates the engine to maintain its effectiveness. Hmm. Therefore, if, if you're going to really see it as the oil that that, that, that that courses through the engine to keep everything going, we have to change our mindset and to bring a security mindset into culture where we're understanding that God is using security for his glory and for the good of his people in the nations, which means then I can't just build a box around the organization's mission. Hmm. Because the problem is we're now we're doing this. We're, 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 we're butting heads over. Should we take this risk or should we not? And at minimum, that type of security model, that's, that's a hindrance. Okay. Right. We, we need to, it's an encumbrance and at worst it becomes sin because I see so many security trainings that are rooted in fear, hmm. right? They can literally make you scared to death of the very people that God has called to pour yourself out as a drink offering over. Okay. I mean, can you imagine that's, that's, that's how, when we bolt security on the side with an individual who doesn't understand the heart and the ethos of the great commission, they love Jesus. Look, there's a lot of people in the, in, the, in the church that are saved and love Jesus with all their heart, but they don't understand the risk 
associated with great commission obedience. And so when we build a, a, a box around secure, build a box of security around the mission, sometimes God works outside the box. Hmm. We can't do that. We have to lay security on top of the ministry. That's how it becomes the oil that flows through. Why? Because now we see security is a form of worship. Watch this. Security is stewardship. Hmm. It's the good stewardship of of, of our time, because by the way, nobody wants to waste their time. It's the security. It's the stewardship of, of, of resources, not just the money. But of all the things that come in, our vehicles and 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 our tools and resources that empower the ministry, we want to steward those well. And finally, it's the stewardship of life. Hmm. I mean, pragmatically, you're a better disciple maker alive than dead. <laughs> let's, let's be honest here. But you know what? The we think about you know stewardship of life is either life or death, but that's not true. Because imagine there. Because I'm going to tell you a story. True story. Kid goes to the field, no equipping, no preparation. I mean, let's face it. There are so many Americans today who can't even read a map. They will get onto airplanes, and I am not kidding, who they will fly to a country that they cannot find on a map to engage people with the gospel where they can't say hello in their heart language, and they think they're going to be effective. Hmm. That That is the anathema of the gospel. It is, it is contrary. In other words, you're, you're not prepared. You're not counting the cost. When, when a guy comes to Jesus in his enthusiasm and says, I will follow you anywhere you go. And Jesus looks at him and doesn't say, oh, brother, come and follow me. No, he does the opposite. He says the birds that have, have, have nests, the foxes have holes, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Hmm. Count the cost. So now that guy gets that that type of guy gets onto an airplane with his enthusiasm and goes to the field, right? Here, my Lord, send me. And then they get to the field and then the wheels come off the wagon, right? There's an assault because of the lack of just good situational awareness. By the way, back to Matthew chapter 10, as soon as he says, be as true to servants and gentle as doves. And if you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. The other thing he says, be on your guard. Hmm. That's good situational awareness. That's not just spiritual. Oh, look out for the wily attacks of the devil. Well, what does that mean? What does that actually mean? Watch out for the attacks of the evil one. Okay. What does that actually mean? It means that we are on offense spiritually, but our defense is practical. Hmm. Because the, the evil one is using evil men to make war on the saints. And these are not just people who say, I'm going to persecute you because you are representing the name of Jesus. Those dudes are out there. But you know what? That guy who is totally desperate on uh, on the street, who has nothing to eat, and so he's trying to pickpocket you, the evil one is using him too. He just doesn't realize it. Hmm. In fact, that type of person, or even the one who may be persecuting you, is someone who needs the gospel and needs to come to faith, saving faith in Jesus. Hmm. But if I'm victimized by that person, right? Here's the assault. Give me your pop. Give me your wallet. Give me your purse. Give me your passport. And they're robbing you, not because you love Jesus, but because you have been isolated. Because we teach the principle, isolation leads to victimization. Hmm. Now they've been victimized. They lose their stuff. Now, remember back, I said security is good stewardship, the stewardship of time, resources, and lives. Now that person's been, been victimized. 
and 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 because we don't have good member care and we don't pro- provide say a critical incident stress debriefing CISD we don't address the need of their trauma Hmm. That person goes home from the mission field and says, if this one is what it's like to serve the Lord overseas, I'll never do it again. Hmm. That's a loss of love. Yeah. Wow. See, stewardship is a form of worship. It's just not the emotional worship of being at you know, on, on, on our knees at the altar saying, here, my Lord, send me. It's the pragmatism of saying, God, help me to worship you in the little things so that I can be trusted in the big things. What does that actually mean? Yeah. It means that I've stewarded well time and resources and lives and laid them on the altar and said, Lord Jesus, use this security ministry for your glory and for the good of gospel workers in the nations. Let us go from being an apparatus that's bolted onto the side of the engine. That is a nuisance drawing you know, energy away from the mission and rather let it become part of the culture that is the oil that flows through the engine, lubricating it and keeping it running with effectiveness to make disciples that make disciples of all nations. That's what I want security to be. That's a good word. Good word. Scott, you share about um, strategic vacations, um, this idea of when we trying to figure out do we stay or we go. And uh, can you just share about strategic vacations? Yeah, so back back to the idea when Jesus says, if you're persecuted to one place, flee to another. There is, there is a, or should be an existential tie between security and member care, pastoral care. Because what I've seen in places like Afghanistan over the last 20 years, but not just Afghanistan, Haiti comes to mind. Any number of places where there has been a shift in the normal, Ethiopia. No, there's there's another one that's that's been in the news recently. Those those places where gospel workers want to stay. Again, we're we're foreign workers. Uh, we are there as as guests, but we have this deep intrinsic relationship with our brothers and sisters, and our emotions get in the way. Right. The longer you stay in that situation, the more you're going to be drained emotionally right? Spiritually, even physically, as you are bearing up alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ. That can be a beautiful thing. But the problem is when we are the the, the guest and our presence may well cause more trouble than good for, for our, our brothers and sisters, again, because of our nationality, because of our ethnicity, etc., we have to understand the biases of the enemy and say, hey, maybe now is a time for me to take the strategic vacation, what does that allow me to do? It gets me out of the stress of the situation and allows me to decompress, right? I need, all of us need times to come out, right? To be able to be in the green grass next to the still waters, listening to the voice of our God. Why? Because this allows me in the decompression to reevaluate my situation and hear the voice of the Lord. But Scott, I've abandoned my people. No, you have not evacuated because you have all intention of going back. But watch this. Because you were able to come out and breathe, you have been able to wait upon the Lord. You've been able to renew your strength. Why? So now you can mount up with wings as eagles, right? To be able to specifically run 
and not grow weary and to walk and not faint. Again, we see this through spiritual eyes and it's beautiful. And it's, it's like having the footprints in the sand, you know, and, and George Jesus, when, when I was, you were walking and then I saw one set of footprints and then you carried me. What does that even mean? <laughs> right. It, it means that at those times where you were so overwhelmed that the Lord Jesus carried you. Well, how does that give practical application? Why? Because I took the time to come out and to breathe, to reevaluate, to, to be built up in the Lord so that I could go back in and help others and to carry them now. Because in their weakness of bearing up against whatever the existential threat is or whatever the, 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 uh, uh, the invader has done, now in my time, and again, God is sovereign over the timing, right? But yeah. in that timing, I've gone in at the right time. I've returned to lift them up and to carry them in a way that I'm not an interloper or not seen as a spy as they have continued to bear up under this burden, right? Hmm. But now in wisdom, I can return wow, and good. I can help. Yeah, that's what the strategic vacation is. It's not saying, okay, we're done and we're leaving. Yeah. Look at Afghanistan, there is an opportunity now for people to go back yeah, because they took the opportunity to come out and to breathe, reevaluate and say, look at the opportunities that God is providing now yeah. to return. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is amazing. Um, how do we, how do we know Scott, if we're prepared to stay and, uh, you know, I think I read a definition of panic is when you don't have any other options left. And then that's when we panic. You know, we've we've run out of options. How do we come to the, this point to know, am, are, am I, me and myself and the team, are we really prepared to stay or, or not in a situation, yeah. in a crisis situation? It, that, that, that's that's a great question, because every, every here's the thing. Every situation is different. Okay. And, and and so what what we have to do is we have to contextualize our our situation or our presence to the situation at hand. That that's that's why even in risk assessment, security assessment, we can't just take and and and, and create a, you know, fill in the blank here. Let, here's the algorithm. Let's output in this 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 response of okay. Are you vulnerable? Are you not? Uh, are are you in a good place? Are you not? It, it, it is very nuanced. Okay. So I want to I want to say that because because people have have come to me in the past when I first started doing this, uh, you know, security in 2007 2008. People thought that you know I had this button and I just you know oh it's too dangerous <laughs> hit the button eject everybody out of the country. Right. But that, but that's not what what we want to do. Okay. We, we want to look at this and 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 ask the question: Are we are we really prepared? Right? Hmm. Uh, when we're dealing with what I call violent conflicts or acts of war, it's not persecution, but we're in the midst of a of a conflict. Uh, whether it's internal with civil war, if you look at say South Sudan, two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen to two thousand twenty. Whether or it's an it's an invading force like you may see uh, let's, let's just take a Russia in Georgia in a Ossetia uh, in two thousand uh, eight nine ten time frame to Ukraine now um, if I am I prepared to stay and take care of number one my physical needs okay because I don't want to become a burden to my brothers and sisters. Oh, I want to stay with you, but I have no food and now I'm starving. Therefore I'm going to eat your food 
because mm. you were smart and put it all away. It kind of goes back to the ant and the grasshopper. Yeah. We have a lot of missionaries who in reality are grasshoppers who aren't prepared for the, the coming situation. And so now they're coming in need to their own brothers and sisters. And what they don't understand is you've actually become a burden in Jesus name. Hmm. Because they weren't they weren't prepared, and and so if if I can look to and I in fact I've I've can't I've, a lot of people in fact gotta be careful here. A couple of years ago, myself and one of our, one of our colleagues, uh, we went into Lebanon. I love Lebanon is one of my favorite places in the world. I love Lebanon, but but as you've seen, the normal now of Lebanon change is they've gone into this this crisis the economic crisis the the explosion that happened down you know in beirut when, yeah. when you look at uh the, the hezbollah and and the syrian civil war the the, the normal of, of 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 lebanon has shifted hmm. and and so folks who have stayed have have had to make shifts in in in, in their own resilience factors right in other okay. words, to be able to bounce back from the things that keep hitting them. And so that's where we look at food. We look at water. We look at electricity. As an example, if you need a, if you need medication on a regular basis and it needs to be refrigerated, yeah. and now you've lost your electricity, your desire in your heart is to stay, to, to labor alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ, but you're going to become a vulnerability because you can't get your meds. Hmm. Right. And, and so now, yeah. Now, and now you're stuck. So can, can I maintain my own health in, mm. in this new environment? If I mm. can't, it's actually better for me to go out. So I don't become a burden to my brothers and sisters, food, water, medicine, uh, communication. Okay. Organizations. I, look, communication today is an amazing thing. I mean, who would have thought that we can have real time face to face conversations like you and I are having right now on different sides of the planet yeah. in real time. Yeah. If, 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 if you lose communication, right, have we prepared ourselves to be able to carry on without support from the home office? Hmm. What, what happens when the banking system shuts down? Hmm. And, if, and if, if you're the person who lives literally week by week by going and taking money out of, of, of the ATM machine, and now the ATM machine is shut down, you're, you're in trouble and you become a burden. Yeah. Do I have enough cash reserves? See, these are the pragmatic little steps that we have to take in, in order to empower our obedience. Hmm. See, and, and none of these decisions that we're making, none of this has to do with, well, I, I'm, 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 I'm being cowardly and leaving the country because I'm because I'm scared. Hmm. No, by the way, that that type of you lobby a fear of, of, of uh, or sorry, of, of Delia. That's the Greek word for cowardice. Hmm. That's we, we, we get these different perspectives of fear confused because just like there's different words for love that are used in, in the new testament there's also different words for fear you've got phobos which is the most utilized word for fear of of, of, of you know am, am i prepared to overcome based on my rational fear of my, of my limitations hmm. right if i'm not that that's not cowardice, right? By the right. way, if I if I if I'm not prepared and then I ignore it and try to stay, that's like the man who goes and tries to build a tower but doesn't have enough money or resources to finish the tower. And what happens? The people ridicule him. 
Hmm. Whether they do it to his face or to his back, because here I am staying, and now I'm having to rely on my brothers and sisters in Christ who barely have enough for themselves. They will ridicule you behind your back. And what has that done? That has that has impacted your uh, legitimacy, and it's undermined your credibility. Hmm. Here you are as a Christian who can't even take care of yourself, and now you're having to have other brothers and sisters care for you. Hmm. That, that's undermined the credibility. We have to be asking these hard questions. By the way, these are hard questions. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're not easy. Yeah, for sure. For so, sure. What I want, so what we're trying to do now, as you think about staying, is to establish margin in your decision-making. Okay. So that you don't become the person who is panicked because they don't know what to do. The more margin I have for decision-making, the better I am in making those decisions, those hard decisions. And I don't want to be making especially ethical decisions, Hmm. right, to stay or go, or what I'm going to do next, ethical decision-making under duress. That's the worst place to be. I want to learn how to make those ethical decisions in a time of peace and safety, on what, what are we going to do? In other words, hey, you think about it. When, when, when you travel and there's a potential, let's say, being kidnapped, I would have had already a, a, fam- a, a conversation with my family. Hey, if I'm taken, what do I expect you to do? Hmm. Right? What do you expect me to do if, 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 if I'm under duress? We might call that captivity survival training. But what contingency planning does is it helps us to forecast actions or behaviors where there is no communication. Hmm. That's what we're trying to do. So now if I get cut off because now the phone lines are out or I, you know, my life is tied to this, this, this little device that's in my pocket. <laughs> right? and, and now if the mobile tower is shut down, which often happens in these crises and I can't call somebody and say, what am I supposed to do? I've now got to figure it out for myself. Like you said earlier, this is where in crisis people panic and they don't know when yeah. you panic, you're not a resource to your brothers and sisters. You're a hmm. liability. Because now they have to minister to you because you need what we call psychological first aid. That's a good word. Good word. One more, one last question for for you, Scott. Um, you talk about when we choose to stay and our organization is asking us to go um, and you discuss the limits of duty of care. Can you just take a minute or two to discuss that? Hot diggity dog. That <laughs> is the question of the day. When, when we join an organization and go, right? Because, look, if you just go on your own and, you're, and people are giving you money, you, you, you do whatever you want, right? Stay, go, whatever. But the rest of us, right, who, who, who go with an organization, your organization has a mission statement. And they probably have a theology of risk, or they should have an established documented theology of risk. In other words, asking the question or answering the question, what's worth risking and why? Right. This is what we're willing to do. These are the risks we're willing to take. And these are the risks we're not willing to take. Yeah. When you when you serve with an organization, what you've effectively done is is to uh, to bring your calling. Right. To submit your calling to the mission of the organization. Cause you look at them and say, you know what? IMB is awesome. Look at what they're doing in the church planning. Indeed, they are awesome. I want to join that organization. Well, what you've done is to submit to their authority. You believe in their mission. You believe so hard or so strongly that you've submitted your calling to their mission and join the organization. Right. Right. Cause if you're going to be an authority, you have to be under authority. Right. 
So now you're on the field, regardless of the organization. I can be IMB, Pioneers, Frontiers, you know, whoever. Right. And, and so now you're on the field. Things are working. I mean, you're, you're blowing and going. You're in the zone. You know, we're, we're seeing fruit. And then evil comes. The, the invasion is looming, whatever. This is where the role of the watchman comes into play. If you go to Ezekiel 33, here's this watchman on the wall. He's looking out over the horizon at what is to come. Because, by the way, the watchman has a specific job. His job is to get is to get elevation, right, to be able to look over at what's coming. That's why, by the way, we see our God as a strong tower and the people run to him and are safe. That really speaks back to God's sovereignty and his ability to see over the horizon what is to come. Hmm. Hmm. That's the role of the watchman. And now, I don't want to take scripture out of context because what 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 Ezekiel's doing here is renewing his call as the as as the uh, the prophet of Israel who is standing on the tower looking over the horizon of what is to come and saying repent yeah right but he's using the concept of the watchman because it's critical that the watchman has a job and if he doesn't do his job right the people can suffer and die in hmm. fact he says that the watchman in verse six uh, thirty three six uh, he he will be responsible right for yeah. what happens and stand in account before God if he doesn't do his job well now what does that mean for us today you're on the field and you're working we're seeing fruit the watchman of the organization who has a duty before God is looking over the horizon of what is to come he is consulting the leadership of the organization because remember the organization is more than just your work on the ground it's true. They they are dealing with multiple locations around the world. Most organizations are working, you know, these church planning organizations in 10, 15, 20, or 30 countries, which means that you're just one part of the larger engine that's engaging in the nations. For sure. So now the organization sees the threat that's going to impact you locally, right? And, 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 and like the watchman, the watchman cries out and says, come inside the wall. Right. But here's if, if we take Ezekiel 33 and, and sort of mash that into uh, Luke chapter 10, where the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. These are two competing philosophies now. Right. Yeah. All yeah. in the name of Jesus. So the watchman says, come inside the wall. But 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 the worker says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But if you don't come inside the wall, the watchman says you'll die. Hmm. We will work the harvest and they want to remain faithfully in work. That's where we find ourselves with your question. Yeah. Because now the organization who has to look at, at the broader context of not just your situation, but everybody else dealing with, 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 with the reputation of the organization, because if you get hurt or killed, this could very well end up on CNN. Yeah. Right. Hmm. And, 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 and now the organization not only has your crisis, but now it's dealing with a public relations crisis yeah, as their reputation yeah. is now being dealt with. Remember we talked about security is a stewardship, the stewardship of time, uh, of, of money and, and lives. Look at the stewardship issue here. Look at, because if you choose to, if the organization says pull back, yeah. right? And you say, nope, I'm going to stay. We've now got a duty of care issue. The organization, because you have chosen not to, to submit yourself to authority, is now burdened with you because now we're taking our time that could be focused on fields and opportunities elsewhere. We're now taking our time and squandering it to you to help you because you chose to stay in a situation and now you're in need. 
Hmm. We're now using resources that were raised, whether that's money that was raised by individuals to go to the field or from donors. That money that could have been used to empower the voice in the presence of the gospel is now being used to get your butt out of the frying pan or even the fire, depending on the situation. And then finally, we have the stewardship of life because that individual refused to listen to the organization, to submit themselves to the organization. Somebody may very well have to go in and risk their life to get you out of the situation that you're in right now. Hmm. I can give you examples of individuals who were kidnapped on the mission field and then went back again. Hmm. Individual kidnapped on the mission field, and then the, the U.S. military sent in a special operations team, and one of those special operators was killed trying to get them out of that situation. And then in their calling, they went back to the exact same situation. And you know what happened the next time? The bad guys killed them. Hmm. And and so now you've got people who have risked their lives and even died on your behalf to bring you to safety. And then you go back and keep doing business as usual. And then you get killed in the process. Look, see the, do you see the issue here? Yeah. So when when we talk about duty of care, and we choose to stay, this, this is what Concilium teaches. Let me be clear. Don't violate your conscience. Okay. If your conscience is telling you that you should stay, then by all means, stay. But what does this mean in relationship with the organization? It means that you've effectively said, I'm going to stay, even though the organization does not feel they can care for me well in this situation. Therefore, we are terminating the duty of care. Okay. Because in duty, when we talk about legally the duty of care, that means an organization has a, has a legal obligation to provide you with minimum basic good services, support, et cetera, so that you know you can be well cared for in, in in a situation. So there's the duty of care, which is by the way not just legal; it's also moral and ethical. That's a whole other discussion for another time. But on the, on the other side of duty of care is duty to trust. Yeah. In other words, if, if, if you are requiring me to care for you, then you must trust my care. Okay. And at this point, you're saying, I, I want to stay. Therefore, the organization can't provide the duty of care it thinks it can provide. At minimum, you should be tendering your resignation. Hmm. Right. Because if you don't violate your, your, your conscience, but don't put your organization in some sort of risk to have to stay. So back to Afghanistan, I'm, our response in Afghanistan was, was pretty significant. Hmm. We, 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 we had, we had, we directly helped over 200 individuals, Afghans, uh, believers and others to get out of and, and gospel workers to get out of, of Afghanistan over 200, but over 2000 that we supported. But in the midst of that, for every, 150, well, no, no, take that back. For every, for every 800 people that we got, that we supported to get out, we got a phone call from those who wanted to stay in. Hmm. And, hmm. and I said, hey, tell me your situation. And because the organization calls me and says, Scott, what do we do? And, and, I, and, and I listen, hey, they're actually in a good place to stay. And that was probably a smart thing to do, given how things turned out. Right. But what I said is you were putting your organization in a very dangerous and precarious position because once the last plane leaves and, and the American embassy is gone, there is no support for you. Yeah. And when that person says, I understand, in, in one of those particular cases, it was really neat to see. They said, we, we will, in writing, we will, we will not be able to care for you and provide you what you need. Individual signs that says, yes, I understand. That's the legal side. 
Yeah. But that organization said, We're, we will continue to support you with your finances. Because again, everybody's giving right. to their support. But in six months, we're going to terminate that support. So you need to shift from our organization because we can no longer care for you, but we support you in your calling. Therefore, yeah. we're going to continue to bring in your money until finally in six months, you need to be on your own or find another organization that will support you in this new normal of Afghanistan. Yeah. And that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, if, if you're going to stay, don't violate your conscience, but understand the, the duty of care of the organization needs to be terminated because they cannot adequately care for you. And most likely that means you're, you're, you're going to have to resign from your organization. Wow. Wow. Scott, it has been a joy to learn from you and spend time with you. Your, your love for God's word um, is evident and your love for God's word and applying it to the world we live in today is, uh, is very insightful. Will you pray for us today? Pray for those as we, in the world we live in today that we will, we will use the wisdom and insight you've shared um, to share God's word um, and, and what he's called us to do. Absolutely. Lord Jesus, how great is your name. Lord, as, as you have taught us to pray that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we are asking for that for gospel workers around the world today, that your kingdom would come through their obedience, through their sacrifice, through their commitment to make your name famous in the nations, that your will would be done as they face critical incidents, as they face threats, as, as they deal with the trauma of just cross-cultural living. Oh, Lord, may your will be done in, in empowering them, giving them wisdom, as, as we've seen through Matthew chapter 10, that they could be as, as shrewd as serpents, yet gentle as, as, as doves, being on their guard, understanding that, that they are guests where they live, Lord. And, and what, what does that, that presence what, what does that do for those brothers and sisters when we think about, Lord, our, 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 our gender or, or we think about our, our nationality as, as, as we think about, Lord, our ethnicity and all of these things that are impacting your presence through our brothers and sisters in Christ. May your will be done there on earth as it is in heaven, as we submit ourselves to you, O God, and as being individuals who are in authority because we are under authority and the authority of our organizations, may we submit to that in wisdom, but in humility, listening to your voice, that we might be transformed in our thinking about security from the pattern of the world, from a, a world of selfishness and, and just baseless emotionalism, as we're transformed in our thinking to have the mind of Christ, even in the midst of, of even in the midst of, of, of traumatic situations, to better prove, Lord, what your will is in a critical incident, a will that is good for us, acceptable in that situation. And, oh, Lord Jesus, perfect in your sovereignty. May this be for your people as they make disciples of all nations. And may then every language, people, tribe, and nation, Lord, worship at your feet on earth 
as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.